Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. And this month, we're excited to be reading The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. The Sparrow was a book published in 1996 by Mary Doria Russell. It's about a small group of Jesuit priests and scientists who make a journey to a newly discovered planet. There, something goes terribly wrong. Um, the book kind of centers on questions of faith, justice, and sort of these these bigger philosophical questions. Uh, and it's kind of both like religious science fiction and first contact science fiction at the same time. It was very successful. It won the uh, James Tiptree Award in 1996, the Arthur C. Clarke Award in 1998, and the John W. Campbell Award in 1998 for, that's the New Writer Award. There's also, there is a sequel, but the sequel, it was written a little bit afterwards. As far as I understand, this book like the sequel isn't necessary to the story at all. It's further reading if you like this one. Um, so we're just talking about the Sparrow, not about Children of God, the sequel to the Sparrow. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that there should be a bit of a like content warning on this book. Uh, I haven't read the entire thing, but my understanding is that there are scenes of torture, rape, and like isolation in particular. Um, and it's you know there's there's some very intense portions of the book, especially I think on the on the planet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So yeah, so I think in this podcast, what do you think, Matt? I think we're going to talk about uh, Russell as an author a little bit, talk about some of the major themes in the book, and particularly talk about religious science fiction generally and the stuff that we've read and the stuff that we like and how this book is kind of in dialogue with it. Yeah, I think it's um, uh, useful, you know, before reading a book, one of the things I like to do uh, it's fun for me, hopefully for other people too, is to kind of think about, uh, is to have some sense of what the genre looks like, what kinds of other uh, books exist, what kinds of questions have people been thinking about over the long haul maybe, um, what are some of the interesting ideas people often talk about, and then maybe, you know, having some sense therefore, because of all of that, of... Um, what kind of um, interesting uh, juxtapositions are going to exist, you know, between what's going on in this book and some other books, what's going on, uh, what's not going on in this book, and what did go on in other books, you know, the sense of where it fits, you know, into right. the broader culture. Right. And, you know, I think, too, it, it bears mentioning that, you know, this is the pre-read episode. Um, Matt and I have both read part of, but not the entire book yet. We're both in the middle of it. Uh, we're not going to talk about spoilers per se, although if you want to know absolutely nothing about the book going into it, obviously, even the pre-reads are probably a bit too much. But, you know, for the most part, we're not going to discuss the plot in depth, but we are going to talk about kind of the general ideas in the book and the general ideas that, you know, this book is in dialogue with. Yep. Cool. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Mary a little bit. Um you know, she was an academic paleoanthropologist before she became a novelist. Uh, I, I looked into her publications a little bit. It focused on Neanderthals, Neanderthals for the most part. Got to get that right, dude. Yeah, I know. I, I always get it wrong. Even my anthro courses that I took. Um, I'm joking. And, uh, Don't worry. <laughs> Um, but, uh, she did some cool stuff. She, you know, she did a lot of work on, um, like anatomy of Neanderthals. And so looking at their brow ridges, she did some stuff about their burial practices. Uh, you know, these kind of cool, cool articles she wrote in the eighties when she was teaching. And then, um, the Sparrow was her first novel, uh, and right. And this, her second novel was its sequel children of God. 
Uh, and they're only her only science fiction novels. Like after that, she went on to read or to write a lot more historical fiction. Um, and I think there's kind of a historical fiction sensibility to this book so far. Is yeah, that's that fair? An, that's an interesting point, And I'd love to talk to you more about that maybe in our other episode. <laughs> uh, where we get into the book in more detail. Yeah, I think I think we will. Um, you know, that's not to say that there's no science in the book. There there is um a lot of science and a lot of kind of, you know, like speculative linguistics and anthropology which, you know, always gets me going, the linguistics major. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then uh and so she's still writing to uh I actually I, w- I was looking on her blog and she just sold a book about it's a historical novel about the women behind a copper miner strike in 1913. So that actually, that actually sounds really interesting to me. Um, yeah, likewise. I love historical fiction. And, right. Uh, I will say quick, uh, you know, maybe we can have another part of this where we talk about what books this book specifically reminded us of. But one book that I was reminded of a little bit to sort of support your point is that is a Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall, to be honest, which is a, maybe a little bit of a strange thing to think of when you're reading this book, but it did occur to me. Cool. I don't, I don't know that book at all, so I'll be interested to hear why you thought of it. And so I think actually that probably segues into to what the majority of this episode is going to be talking about, which is kind of other books that are, if not similar, I would say in dialogue with um, this book. So the book of Sparrow, like we said, is very much about um, religion and kind of like approaching religion through a science fictional kind of lens. Um, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think, you know, one one thing that I'm interested in is sort of almost, um, I almost think of it like there's this, you know, territory of science fiction books there's this landscape of all these books and when i'm gonna you know investigate uh one little part of this territory a new little area i've never been to a new book i've never read um i'm also interested in kind of what the surrounding area looks like or even what the horizon looks like from this vantage point and so one thing i like to think about is not just books that are directly related, that are very similar, or even that are like actively in dialogue where, you know, the author may have been specifically thinking about Mm -hmm. the Sparrow or Mary Adora Russell may have been specifically thinking about them. But I also like to think about stuff that's further afield that just kind of makes up the, the submerged part of the iceberg of this, this territory, you know, the, the stuff that's underground that you can't see right away, but actually does have an impact because it's holding up the ground that you're standing on. Right. That kind of stuff is really interesting to be too. Right. And I think a lot of that is, you know, maybe the books aren't in dialogue with each other, but they're in dialogue with the same or, or similar ideas. There's sort of a, a, an intellectual yeah. history that connects them. Totally. Exactly. Um, you know, and I think I think one of the you know probably the most obvious piece to talk about here is it's it's science fiction that is about Catholics, right? Like a lot of the main characters in this book are Jesuits in particular, um, and the you know the Society of Jesus has a very long history of doing kind of outreach to non-Western cultures as well as doing a lot of their own scholarship um, that I think makes them a very good fit for these kind of science fiction books like there it's you know this is not the only first contact book about a group of jesuits going to another planet <laughs> you know i think <laughs> i think famously the uh, a case for conscience by james blish comes up I, I i personally didn't really love that novel but i think that it, it fits into a kind of similar territory um 
And in addition to that, you have stuff like, uh, um, yeah, I, I think when you're just talking about, you know, science fiction about Catholics in general, like a book that's actually worth discussing a little bit more in depth is a canticle for Leibowitz by Walter M. Miller. Um, particularly there's certain interesting parallels between Miller as an author and, uh, Russell as an author, um, in that he was a Jewish person who converted to Catholicism. And I, she was, I don't know if she was Catholic. She was some form of Christian, but converted to Judaism, um, before writing this book. Very, very interesting. There's a, a sort of a, a, an odd, not odd, but an interesting subplot, uh, in the lives of a lot of famous, um, science fiction authors where they converted to a different religion, mm-hmm. a number of them. Um, another who did that, I believe, was... Um, Gene Wolfe. Gene Wolfe, that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of an interesting thing to think about. And I think Connie Willis, actually, now that now that I'm thinking of it, is Catholic as well, right? She wrote the Doomsday Book, um, a, a like time travel science fiction novel. Yeah, well, she, she's great, but I actually, uh, I don't know if she converted. Um, right, I she... don't know if she converted. She she is Catholic, though, like a Catholic sci-fi author. Mm-hmm. Um, that book rules. Oh, yeah, but... I, I've actually never read that one. Um, I've heard good things, though. Yeah, it rules. Um, yeah, getting getting to a canticle for Leibowitz, um, you know, just just a little bit. I think that's a that's an interesting book because that's a book. So when I when I was a kid, that was probably the first like explicitly like religious science fiction book that I ever read. Um, my dad was a lapsed Catholic who turned into a Protestant. And so, so my grandpa was a Catholic and they both recommended a canticle for Leibowitz to me. Um, and that to this day is still one of my like favorite science fiction books. So it's a book about um, a group of Catholic monks after a nuclear apocalypse who are doing their best to kind of um, like keep the knowledge before the fall around. Like there's this, you know, strong anti-science and anti-knowledge uh, 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 sentiment based on the world around them. Um, and it's about, you know, this, this, a monastery throughout like a thousand years as they do their best to kind of like uh, help mentor the world around them back into civilization. Um, and that's a book with really strong themes about kind of like, like recurrence of, in history um, of, you know, like recurrence of events throughout history, as well as just like man's violence towards other man. Um, that I, I get a sense that a little bit of that's going to be going into this book too. I mean, there's already this sort of like recurrence theme in terms of like, you know, just like in, you know, when we discovered, well, when Europe discovered, air quotes, the new world, like we sent a bunch of conquistadors and they're like Jesuit priests out to learn about it. Um, you know, we, we, you know, this book kind of does a little bit of the same thing where the Jesuits like go to this planet first before anyone else manages to. Yeah, I'm, to me, it's, uh, it's a great book. I love A Canticle for Life. It's, it's um, also one of the books, I read it when I was young, and it's, it's one of the sci-fi books that I think has like held up best, probably, uh, mm-hmm. of the stuff that I enjoyed when I was younger. Um, it's, a, it's operating on a really long time scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not just talking about a group of characters that are you know living out their lives, and then that's the story. It's, it's multiple generations over a really long time scale. And it's been enormously influential. Um, a lot of one thing that's interesting to me is a lot of these religious themes, um, like, are kind of all over science fiction. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's tempt. On the one hand, you can you can kind of describe certain science fiction books as being particularly religious. Either they were, 
you know, either they're dealing in depth with characters who are themselves, uh, you know, having crises of faith or stuff like that. Or on the other hand, you can think about like some of the core themes of science fiction going all the way back hundreds of years have to do with science versus religion, have to do with ideas of, um, you know, what does it mean to have faith in progress? What does it mean to believe in technology instead of believing in something that's less substantial? Um, these concepts, I mean, you go back to Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, you go back to Margaret Cavendish's The Blazing World. Um, you know, the, these are these are books like, you know, that, that are you know, kind of the ancient prehistory of modern science fiction, but, but they have to do with... Um, you know, some of the same themes. So on the one hand, you know, there's this almost like specific subgenre of religious science fiction or Catholic science fiction even, Mm -hmm. um, which this, this book is, is, uh, deals with Catholicism in particular a lot. But then on the other hand, some of this stuff like bleeds out into all science fiction. Um, so that's, that's really, that's really cool for me. Um, there's a bunch of other stories and, and books, I think, that are very, very well known that might be worth just mentioning so that people, you know, don't forget that the connection might exist. Or maybe you've heard of these other books and you haven't heard of this Barrow or vice versa. And it's worth kind of connecting them up real quick. Um, I think, uh, you know, people have um, p- perhaps heard of the uh, Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis Um People have perhaps heard of, you know, Gene Wolfe's work, The Book of the New Sun, The Book of the Long Sun. People have perhaps heard of um, uh, A Wrinkle in Time. You know, these are, there's a, right. a, a whole a whole long history of uh, books that extends very much up into the present day, um, where you have a lot more, you know, recent, recent work like Two Like the Lightning by Ada Palmer. Um, which is not a Catholic science fiction book and not maybe, you know, explicitly about religion, but it's deeply invested in questions of faith and issues of religion. Actually, right. from well, the it's, very probably, it's probably worth teasing out a little bit about like why for any of these books who were mentioning them, you know, I, I think maybe even starting with Two Like the Lightning and moving back a little bit. Sure. Yeah, totally. Um, so Two Like the Lightning is a book that came out fairly recently by Ada Palmer. Um, it's been very well received. It's a terrific book. It's a science fiction book set in the, I guess, middle future, like a few hundred years from now, right. featuring super advanced technology. Um, humans are mostly confined to Earth, though, although there are some humans that don't live on Earth. We don't really meet them. Um, without spoiling uh, the book, um, I will say it deals with themes of uh, science versus reason, um, kind of investigating a lot of uh, intellectual debates that have to do with the, enlighten- the enlightenment and... Um, the nature of good government and the nature of religion in a world where, uh, you know, we have so much power thanks to technology. Um, what do we do with this power? What do we believe in with this power? Um, well, I think, you know, having, having read part of, but not all of to like the lightning, I think, you know, there's this kind of interesting contrast between it and, um, it and the sparrow where in the sparrow, it's this near future science fiction and, the Catholic church looks exactly like what the Catholic church looks like now and looked like in the nineties when it was written. 
Whereas to like the lightning kind of like deals with a lot of similar themes, but does so in a world where the Catholic church and in fact, all organized religion has been outlawed where like all religion is a personal matter and it's important and everyone thinks a lot about it, but also like has to do so privately and like kind of, you know, with, with these like religious figures that act almost as much as like personal therapists as they do like priests. Yeah. She does a really, really uh, amazing job. I think of, creating of like imagining a totally different society that's like connected to our society that's sort of Mm -hmm. you can see you can see you can draw the lines but it's totally different from how our actual society works um she tried the kind of one one way to think about the conceit without giving away too much is that the conceit of the book is you know what if a lot of old um ways that society was structured in previous eras kind of were like remixed with modern technology and you had uh, a future society that like has maybe more in common with like you know the age of the enlightenment in the 17th century right in the 18th century sorry then um then it does with our modern day even though the technology is even more advanced Right. In certain ways, the society kind of reminded me of what the uh, the the French revolutionaries, you know, this sort of like highly rationalist society that they wanted to to implement. It's a super cool book. There's so much to talk about with Two Like the Lightning. Um, so that's one example of like very recent science fiction dealing with religion. I, you know, another recent example is is less recent, but it's uh, enormously influential. It's The Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that it deals with religion, of course, is a little bit different. But it's crucial. It's huge. The The issues of, of faith in a uh, response to suffering, um, you know, it's it, it brings home how, you know, so much of our literature, not just science fiction, is dominated by these questions. I mean, it's just huge. On the one hand, you can, you can look at um, a book. On the one hand, there's almost a temptation to look at a book like uh, The Sparrow, which is uh, about um, religious people who are mm-hmm. very, very self-consciously struggling with their faith and struggling with what it means to them and how to be a faithful person and a religious person in the face of very specific kind of like, you know, genre-specific challenges. And you can see a book like that as like a, as, you know, almost, you can ghettoize it in a way and, and see right. it as like, oh, it's like a specific kind of science fiction or a specific kind of literature. But like, I really uh, prefer to think about this stuff as being connected to so many other things i mean right well i think too when when you talk about religion and science fiction or religious science fiction there's like different kinds of books even even within that right there's something like a canticle for lebowitz or the sparrow where it's about religious people and it's about their religion and it's about the 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 even the society inside of that religion and how that works um, you have stuff like, uh, I think, Lord of Light by Roger Zelazny is another like favorite of mine. Um, which, I love you know, that book, too. It's, it's about uh, kind of like Buddhism and Hinduism, but in this very like fantastical, like, you know, so technology, so advanced, it's magic kind of world. And I think that, you know, there it's almost using instead of like looking at the real world and about religion in the real world, it's using kind of old religious stories, stuff from the Bhagavad Gita and the the founding stories of Buddhism, um, and turning those into almost science fiction stories, you know, using those as the basis to tell new stories in the same way. Um, and, you know, and then you have stuff like, I, I think, you know, like Gene Wolfe, for instance, where 
you know, it's not necessarily using specific biblical themes or specific biblical stories, and it's not even about religion in the society that it's in. But there's definitely this element of like, you know, his Catholicism clearly influences his fiction. Um, you know, and there's these kind of like different ways that religion works in science fiction, both like in the fiction itself, as well as how the authors approach it. Yeah, I really agree. And I love the point about um, the about like non-Christian religion in science fiction. There's a huge tradition of this as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Lord of Light is one of my favorite books. Um, but, you know, in addition to there being a lot of, uh, you know, we, we sometimes are tempted to think of science fiction itself as being a Western thing. Right. Um And, you know, there obviously is this, like, particular through line, this particular, you know, kind of connected intellectual history of books going all the way back to ancient Greece and, like, coming up through, you know, Western Europe that that have these particular genealogical connections to each other. For example, you know, you've got ancient Greek uh, literature about people traveling to the moon. You've got um, Orlando Furioso in the Renaissance. Um, where people travel to other planets and, you know, and so on, you know, connecting through Blazing World, Frankenstein, all the way up to the modern day. But mm-hmm. there's also other stories from other cultures entirely. There's, um, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with the history of uh, Chinese uh, literature, because that's something I studied in school. Um, and, you know, you don't have the same tropes appearing at the same times, but there's a lot of related questions. And then there's also, you know, once the 19th century hits and people start to really read a lot of literature from other countries, you get to you get this tradition in East Asia, in China, in Japan, Korea, and in other countries um, in Africa, in South Asia, of people responding to Western science fiction with their own takes on it and with their own kind of like mergers between their local traditions and their local mythologies and Western mm-hmm. science fiction. So for example, something that comes to mind that's more recent um, on the subject of religion, there's a famous book from 1967 called 10 Billion Days and 100 Billion Nights right. um, by Ryu Matsuse, Mitsuse, um, who's a very famous Japanese science fiction author. And this is a book that's deeply, profoundly about religion. And, and in particular, you know, it, it actually really interesting thing about that book is that it deals, it's one of the few that I can think of that deals sincerely with multiple different religions and the interaction between them. Mm-hmm. So there are important Christian characters, without giving too much away, important Christian characters, important Buddhist characters, important Hindi characters. And um, I would say, you know, the most of the book is is, is maybe more particularly uh, Buddhist than anything else. But it... Coming you know, from Japan, that's not too surprising. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's but but nonetheless, you know, it's... You know, he he's he's spends a lot of uh, screen time on characters who are not Buddhist. And a lot of the book has to do with, you know, something that science fiction does really well, actually, um, is like taking a really, really, really high level, really, really, really long view of the universe and mm-hmm. what's important and why it's all here. Um, and then mixing science and religion to investigate that. Um, super, super cool book. One thing that that actually uh, just reminded me of was, um, and it's not a book, but well, I guess I guess there's probably a manga form of it, but um, the anime Evangelion. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and which which in particular is, is interesting, and I wanted to bring it up in the in this case because you know talking about Lord of Light. I mean, one of the things about that book is it is like a you know 
Western guy kind of like taking these stories from other cultures and like science fictionalizing them. And I would say like he does a decent job of trying to, you know, do that in a like smart and intelligent way and actually deal with like the message behind the stories. And that's kind of like one of the key points of it. But he also, you know, westernizes it a lot in a lot of ways. I think I think uh, the 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 sort of like character of Sam in that book, who is this kind of like Buddha stand in in, in the story, also has a lot of like Christ like elements to him that that come from this kind of like Western view of like you know like Christianity as this um what as sort of like a a a, 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 a what's what's the word I'm looking for like a revolutionary religion and this kind of like you know small revolutionary force against the larger entrenched religions at the time um and there's definitely that an element of that in lord of light uh but then kind of the opposite of like evangelion does like the opposite of that in a very real way where it takes all this like christian kind of like mythology and imagery and you know, kind of like throws its scatter shot <laughs> against the wall a little bit, right? Like, like clearly isn't like, I, I think there's a lot of people read into it and like, oh, he's trying, you know, they're trying to make these very like specific points using this Christian imagery. And the sense that I get from having even read interviews with the creators is that wasn't the case at all. Like they thought it looked cool in the same way that a lot of Westerners think that like Buddhism or Hinduism like looks cool or sounds cool. Um, and so I think it's kind of a fun, like opposite take on that to, to watch that show with that sort of like in mind of like, there's all this like cross imagery in it and it's not really used in any specific way that makes sense given the way that cross imagery is used in, in Western culture. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. That's one of the coolest, uh, reasons to, to read science fiction, uh, written in, or any literature (laughs) written by people that are very different from you is that you get to see how they see you which rules right it's (laughs) Um, really fun uh there's so much more to talk about i don't want to spend too much time okay so one other thing i wanted to mention was the um you know a lot of um a lot a lot of science fiction doesn't like religion i think one of the yeah one of the common ways that science fiction interacts with religion is by critiquing it right and so that's you know that's not what what's going on in the sparrow the sparrow is is maybe taking the other uh, approach, the the Walter M. Miller approach of, you know, I'm invested in this religion and I'm interested in it and well, I'm going to be I'll, I'll sympathetic to it. But it bears mentioning that science fiction doesn't always do that. And like there's a lot of sci-fi that... I want to push that, back on that just a little bit, actually, before we get into that, which is that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the Sparrow isn't critiquing religion or that I can't oh, fair enough, Leibowitz fair enough. isn't critiquing religion. I think rather they're doing so, like you said, sympathetically and they're doing yeah, so like... Yeah by taking that religion seriously. I think I think we'll talk about the book of strange new things more in a bit, but I think that's another book that does that very well. Um which is like you know, personally like one thing I really like is when science fiction takes religion seriously as a social movement, as a belief yeah. that individual people have, as like a thing that affects the world without necessarily having, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't be critical. But it also doesn't mean that it's, you know, like religion is bad or religion is like just there to be kind of like shit on. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, it, like it's a thing that people have. And I, I, I'm, I'm always somewhat disappointed by especially kind of far future religion or far future uh, science fiction that more or less posits that like religion 
just isn't important anymore. Like people's beliefs are always going to be important. It might not look like Christianity. It might not look like Hinduism. Yeah. It might look very different, but like those kind of personal beliefs are really important. And I think, um, I think good science fiction, especially like sociological science fiction deals with that in some way. Very true. I think that's something Ada Palmer does really well, by the way. Right. I um, agree. That was my favorite thing about that book. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so to, to it, it does bear mentioning that a lot of science fiction maybe isn't as good on this topic. Yes. Or alternatively, isn't sympathetic to religion and or the critique that it makes is... isn't interested in it at all. Well, so what I'm thinking of in particular, I was thinking of stuff like um, A Handmaid's Tale huh. um, by Margaret Atwood. Right. Because, you know, that book is, is not interested in religion in quite the same way. Religion is in mm-hmm. some ways like the villain or at least like... A big part of the villain of that book, a big part yeah. of the thing that is awful in right, that right. dystopia, um, and that's like a really powerful, important way that science fiction relates to religion by making it an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, arguably, uh, arguably, it is like you know you you can go back and forth on this. A lot of I think a lot of people who like science fiction maybe feel very strongly that that's the correct choice. Right. I was, <laughs> I, I, was I, dis- I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree, you know, but, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a common view. Um, you know, I, and, and there's also a lot of science fiction, I think like parable of the sower, which is more conflicted, um, mm-hmm. about the, the exact place of like what we feel about religion. Right. Um, well, parable you of know? the sower is interesting in that there's, you know, there's sort of the like, christian like standard and then the protagonist like creates her own new religion um almost similar in the way that like a stranger in a strange land is about a guy coming from mars and creating his new his own new kind of free love religion that's Um, a really strange juxtaposition and i'm interested in it (laughs) (laughs) parable of a sower versus stranger in a strange land (laughs) well i think i think there's you know i haven't i haven't read parable of a sower but like what i know of the plot is that there seems to be the a certain overlap there of this idea of you know that was probably popular generally around that time in the 60s um of like new religions new consciousnesses how to kind of like you know form new social structures around that sort of thing yeah stranger to strange land is a weird book it's a super weird book we've talked about it on like all of our episodes it's just now, weird it's weird yeah um parable of the sower everybody should read yeah um, that's it on also my reminds list. yeah it also reminds me of um uh more recent stuff so there was um uh i believe it's colin whitehead did underground railroad um which is a very recent book um that is you know maybe uh, people might have quibbles about like putting it in a certain genre or whatever um which i think is fine you know you can you can definitely uh disagree about how i you know put it in a different genre or whatever but um that's a book i think, uh, I think his name is colson whitehead colson i'm so i'm sorry sorry colson whitehead yeah so um, i just wanted to gr- yeah make no, sure we got that right yeah, yeah yeah no you're absolutely right i'm sorry i'm constantly doing that it's a great book though um underground railroad is terrific mm-hmm. um there is uh some really interesting stuff with religion in that book too although it's not necessarily central to the plot um in the sequence um in the i think the last um the last part of the book in particular hmm. um there's a really interesting uh interaction with trying to create a new community like you were saying adrian right um that's what reminded me of it building a new community out of nothing building a new religion to go along with your new community mm-hmm. as a way of trying to 
deal with dystopia. It actually, you know, it's a really interesting relationship between that book and Parable of the Sower in the, in that way. Right. Um, so, you know, religion as a piece of the fight against dystopia, religion as a piece of um, a critique of a false utopia, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a theme that goes all the way back yeah. throughout. That's such a great point. And, I, you know, it's such a thing that I wish more kind of dystopian and utopian novels worked with. Like this idea of, you know, like, like if you're forming a new society, like belief has to be a part of that. Like, and whether that's metaphysics, whether it's organized religion, like exactly what it is. Um, And I'm just always so interested in books that like take that element of belief that humans have seriously, right? Like if, if science fiction is a, you know, genre that talks about all sciences from, you know, linguistics and sociology to physics and math. Um, The stuff that, you know, takes, you know, even if it is taking a scientific view of religion, even if it's, you know, purely positing religion as like a societal element that is important in all societies throughout history, um, like that's that's good. I really enjoy it when science fiction does that. and, And just I think generally wish that more science fiction was kind of like willing to do that and like willing to ask hard problems. You know, honestly, um, one series of books that i think does a phenomenal job of that is uh chris beckett's dark eden books oh yeah those books are amazing they're so great and i i think in particular because he posits i I don't want to get too deep into them but you know he posits this like uh world where a, a human um a human spaceship crash lands and a small number of people kind of like you know keep having children and there's a society that happens and we see that society like generations afterwards. Um, and one of the things you see in that society is the way that what at one point were stories and memories that real people had, like memories turn into stories, turn into legends, turn into myths. And you get to see that process happen over the like long period of time that those books take place in. Um, and it's, you know, it's reading those books. I, I mean, I love them just on their own, but I was also like the entire time reading them thinking like, man, I wish more science fiction did this, you know, and I'm always happy to read science fiction that does do that. Well, that takes, takes really seriously this idea that like, you know, we will even, you know, even if you had like perfect video recordings of everything that ever happened, people would still choose to like interpret those recordings in certain ways and ascribe certain meaning to those recordings. Like we'll never fully get away from this fact that like people add meaning to things and people like take lessons from stories um, regardless of how those stories are told. I totally agree. That's something I really liked about, um, parable and underground railroad does it a little in an interesting way Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there um so that that makes me really even more interested to read underground railroad it's been on my life yeah it's not a long time it's a great book it's a great book this is not the primary thing i think that that book does um but it is a thing that it does and it's and it definitely is a is in kind of interesting cool dialogue with um octavia butler right Um, and it doesn't i you know to be clear i don't think it needs to be like the main thing that books do i just like it when books like take it seriously at all even if it's like a very like kind of tiny element yeah me too i really like it uh a lot um i think honestly that that uh you know the the, one of the reasons i wanted to bring up handsmaid's tale is because that's Mm -hmm. um 
I think that book is doing that, but it's it's doing it in a very critical way. Like it's yeah. it's taking the view that that oh something went wrong in this process and the religion that has come the belief system that has that has come up here is terrible and mm-hmm. and yet still exists. Um, and that's definitely something that you know uh, dealing with um, dealing with religion as something that is dangerous and bad is you know it's 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 tricky and a lot of the best authors are i think themselves conflicted about it where you uh. you you know you 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 show simultaneously like you know the way that um so maybe one way to uh, talk about this more would be to bring bring up the uh um short story the star because there's some interesting things that i wanted to say about that um well before before you do that i think talking specifically about um like like you what what you were talking about in regards to 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 margaret atwood's um the handmaid's tale actually like immediately made me think of the fact that the resistance in that um book like like there's this you know kind of bad theocracy which like you know i agree theocracy would be bad i don't want to see that in america or anywhere um but there's also like you know one of the things that i uh, people talk a lot right about the hand you know there's the tv show and people are talking about like the handmaid's tale and the age of trump and pence and kind of like what this all means i don't want to get too deeply into that but i do think it's worth noting that you know, in the U.S., there is a long history of like left-wing religious movements, just as much as there are right-wing religious movements, and that's something that that you 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 just brought up to me is that there's zero sense in that novel of like maybe the resistance is actually religious as well, right? Like maybe <laughs> maybe the like you know because that's what happens in the U.S., right? There's the there's the like moral Mondays in North Carolina. There there's you know like the the buddhist temple i go to which is a very like socially conscious place <laughs> like yeah you know there's a, this stuff all exists yeah. and is like really important um and like you know religion isn't a monothe- monolithic thing that's very true and another thing that's a little bit related that um you know it's it's an i think it's an interesting juxtaposition um however you feel about it is um uh, communism and science fiction um, which, of course, hmm. you know, communism is not a religion per se, um, but you can have a long conversation about that. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when I think about, uh, you know, novels that deal with themes like The Sparrow, um, one novel that occurred to me is Hard to Be a God by the Strugowski brothers. Um, oh, interesting. Which is, uh, you know, communist science fiction from the USSR. Uh, about um, people encountering aliens on another world and a totally other society that's built mm-hmm. up under, uh, you know, that's that's in the same way that science fiction always or often does. It's it's another society that's sort of a riff on our society, and, and there's a lot of social commentary. And these people from Earth who uh, come to this alien planet have to make some uh, hard choices <laughs> about what <laughs> uh, what to do about the way that they find this planet. And their choices are fundamentally, and the, and their the conflicts of the book, is driven by the idea, the way that these non-religious communists, the main characters are communists, the way that they have to struggle with their faith, their ideology, um, in the face of this strange reality on this other planet. So it's a very similar theme in a way, you know. And but it's of course, right. you know, uh, 
but it's of course also not you know it's it's a it's just an interesting thing to think about there there's another um soviet science fiction novel called the andromeda nebula by sergey uh stolyar stolyarov i i'm terrible at russian um but uh that actually like you you just reminded me of that one because that novel in particular has this sense of um like it has certain themes in common with the sparrow in the sense of there are these like you know this galactic civilization but there's also like there's no faster than light travel so you have to like in dealing with these things there's a lot of like radio communication and like effects of like traveling at the speed of light and time dilation that also like feature into the sparrow um that just that just kind of pinged me on there and and definitely you know a sense of like you know soviet in particular like soviet communism as like its own larger belief system um, I think features heavily in that novel, yeah. or at least in like the the pieces yeah. of it that I've read. And another thing I wanted to mention also is that you know when we talk about religion, there's a there's a tendency I think sometimes, at least in the West, to reduce religion to the big ones. You know, there's your mm-hmm. Buddhisms and Hinduisms and and uh, Christianities and Judaisms of the world, and right. just kind of like throw everything else out under the vague sense that it's like somehow not a real religion; it's just pagan or whatever. That's mm-hmm. you know garbage, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know I I think we if we're talking about people's beliefs and people's understanding of cosmology and morality, then we have to talk about stuff that. We have to talk about all of that stuff. We can't like leave some mm-hmm. of it out. And so, you know, Afrofuturism, for example, um, is a vast space that um, you know that that deals with people's um, sincere beliefs and their crises of faith. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as they interact with the, the, these exact same science fiction themes, you know, um, from right. a different light. So, I mean, I've you know, we've talked a little bit among ourselves about the Binti books. I think that there, yep. it's a really another really interesting example of uh, a kind of another way to think about um faith confronted with challenges like sci-fi style challenges um those books are awesome i we might do them on this right. podcast i think we will do them we'll, um, we'll see when we do so i don't want to i don't want to say too much about them but i think it's a, it's a cool <laughs> juxtaposition <laughs> right right and there's a lot to go into those books in particular about not just like religion and belief but also like you know, the, the sense of like where you come from and like where is home and those sorts of questions um, that I think, you know, I, that I want to just like tie back to the Sparrow like really quickly um, yep. is, is I think kind of a, an important element in this sense of like they go to a different planet and they have to, you know, like deal with like where, where is home for me and like what does home mean and those sorts of questions um that you know in that i've only read about 50 percent of the book i i don't know how those are going to like actually how that's going to work itself right out, yeah but i'm really looking forward to that that's piece. why it's the pre-read yep exactly <laughs> um cool i think i think maybe the the last book that's worth um or at least that, that i had that i wanted to talk about um in relation to the sparrow you might well have more that you do is um the book of strange new things by michelle faber um which is a book that actually like you gifted to me a couple of years ago um and is another of these books that is specifically about like a mission to aliens and like a Christian person going to another planet to like, you know, proselytize to a group of aliens. Um, 
and from what I can tell, that book, you know, handles that very differently. But I think it's it's if you're interested in these kinds of books, um, I think I think that is probably my like favorite of of all the books that well i know i don't want to say that. i mean canical for Leibowitz is also kind of yeah, amazing yeah. But like but there, there, there like that book does that particular thing like very very well um the sense of like what does it look like when like a you know an individual human being has to like go and be a uh you know be like a missionary to people who are not humans and like, yeah you know what do those people look like um, so I'm really interested to get into that more with the Sparrow as well. Totally. I really like the book of Stranger Things. Um, in fact, it's because I liked that book that, um, this book, the Sparrow was recommended to me. Yeah, no, same, <laughs> same actually. That's, that's part of why. Yeah. That's I think part of why I wanted to read this book. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a cool book and it's of the books we've talked about the most similar in terms of like the plot and the characters and it was also yeah. it was also written more recently sparrow was written before it but um yeah strange new things was like 2013 or something like that it's it's within the last 10 years for sure in the 20 teens yeah so um you know of all that we've mentioned a lot of different things some sort of you know interesting but not similar this is a, a book that's very similar to the sparrow yeah yeah um cool was there were there more sorts of you know i i think there's a, you know we've talked a lot about religion in science fiction there's also this whole world of like first contact science fiction that i yeah. don't know if we like need to get into that too deeply um you know i i think there's this is this i will say this is an interesting first contact book in that it's proposing I mean, it, it takes place more or less like now. It was written in 1996, and the like, you know, the kind of like early narrative takes place starting in like 2015, going up to like 2020. Um, and you know, but it's still like we're still the ones who are going to like contact the aliens, um, and that's that's really cool because I feel like often with this sort of thing, you see these really big gulfs between like in terms of like technology, right? Like. You've, you've, so, uh, I mean, like, how many books are there about kind of like, you know, mega powerful aliens coming to Earth and like disrupting us? Or about, you know, like far future humans finding an alien planet and like doing whatever with it. Um, and to have a book that is more, you know, that seems like they're, they're, it's a little bit more of an even playing field. Um, the, the thing that it particularly reminded me of is um, uh, CJ Cherry's um, Foreigner book which I've only read the first of those but that also had this like very alien culture and like a small group of humans having to like do like you know more, more or less like political dialogue with that group of aliens um and I can't think of like all that many other books that really that really do this thing it's really interesting because like now we get into the realm I mean so when you think about first contact as a story it's such a fascinating story in so many ways and it's such a mm -hmm. fundamental story to like the human experience mm -hmm. i mean my understanding like my limited you know understanding uh based on like talking to people smarter than me about the current state of our understanding of the prehistoric human past is that it wasn't the case the humans left africa and migrated to the rest of the world once 
rather that there were right. it was wave after wave of this. And as each wave receded, they left behind a few scattered pockets that the next wave would encounter. Yeah. And so first contact, so to speak, the idea of like a sort of um, evangelical group encountering, evangelical, <laughs> maybe may, may or may not be religious, but evangelical in the sense that they're spreading their right. culture group encountering a, you know, existing stable sedentary group. This is a, a really old story and it, it just goes to the heart of the human experience. Right. And it makes me think of stuff that's not fiction at all, but it makes me think of real history. Like, you know, reading like Bartolomeu de las Casas, the uh, Spanish, uh, I think he was a Dominican friar mm-hmm. who traveled to the New World very early and witnessed the, like, horrific treatment of the Tainu people in the Caribbean and, you know, a lot of crazy stuff um, that's difficult to summarize, but basically witnessed, you know, the conquistadors in action. Um, his He wrote extensively about it and uh, argued passionately for it to at least be made, like, slightly better. He was, you know, you can, you can, you can dispute his moral credentials, but he at least argued, you know, that things be made a little bit more humane right. for Native Americans, uh, and he was not especially well listened to. But like, no, he was, no t- that that was not a popular <laughs> opinion at the time. <laughs> but you know, but his his he wrote extensively describing in great detail what he saw, right, and like what it was like to be there. You know, and, and, there, and yeah. Oh, oh, I, w- I was going to say. I mean, one of my um, one of my favorite uh, 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 genres of that is a. It's a book called River of Darkness by Buddy Levy. Um, and it's sort of like a like a modern scholarly, pop scholarly novel about uh, the first um, traversal of the Amazon uh, Amazonian River Basin by Europeans. Um, and most of the primary sources are were written by, a, I think, a Jesuit priest. He might have been Dominican, but I'm pretty sure it was a Jesuit priest who was like on this mission. Um and there, one of the really interesting things is, you know, how, like, there are a bunch of different societies in the Amazonian basin, and some of them were very advanced in ways that, like, at the time, everyone thought he was lying, and up until about 10 years ago, everyone thought he was lying, and we're just kind of figuring out that, like, no, actually, there were really advanced, like, cultures and civilizations in the Amazonian basin at the time that they were traveling through it. Um, and it's kind of like an interesting piece of, you know, like it's so it almost like his his writings almost read as fantasy or science fiction or something like that because he is coming from this you know he's going to an alien culture and like doing his best with his western eyes to describe it um and learning about that you know and and seeing these kind of like you know like these human cultures lost to time and, you know, very sadly lost to time due to the, you know, conquistadors and the disease that they brought and the war that they brought and all of this, um, the kind of like colonial horrors that we saw in the Americas. Uh, it's interesting to, to, you know, there's clearly like some parallels there with the sparrow, with this sense of like, you know, Jesuits have often been on the forefront in, in, in especially in the the sort of like age of discovery on the forefront of that discovery quote air quotes like of like the european peoples like going and kind of like exploring the globe um and so to see them you know like this 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 story about like them doing that to another globe and it like you know maybe not going as well for them as it you know well again air quotes 
um, as it did historically is kind of an interesting read. That I, I was going to be done, but you just reminded me of another book, which is called, <laughs> <laughs> which is called The Broken Spears. Oh, it's nonfiction. Um, the Broken Spears is a collection of Nahuatl accounts of oh, very cool. the conquest of Mexico, or what right. is now Mexico. Right. Um, so it's accounts written by you know Native Americans about being conquered, and it's like insane. You know, as you that's amazing. I've never heard of that, and I'm definitely going to pick that up. I, I love reading that kind of stuff. Um, I think I think also in that vein, um, I'm a big fan of this book called One Vast Winter Count um, by Callaway. What, what's what's his first name actually? Uh, Colin Callaway, um, which is specifically about uh, like North American native american cultures and how they viewed themselves and their own stories and it tells a lot of their own stories very cool and you know i think like one thing that i think westerners tend to do is not treat particularly like indigenous american stories as actual histories like because they are like oral histories we tend to treat them as like completely fantastical and made up which of course like there's been a lot of archaeological evidence recently that like we shouldn't do that. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of worth, <laughs> worth mentioning in here and that yeah. like viewing this from the other perspective, like not just from the Jesuit perspective, but from the right. perspective of the people who dealt with the Jesuits is like really important to do. And, you know, that's right. I, I think, I think frankly, one thing that like science fiction could do a lot more of than it actually does. And this comes partially from it's just like Western, like roots. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's been written in Japan. I know about dealing with Christian missionaries arriving in Japan. There was, Ooh. of course, a, there was a period of time. I see. I don't promise. I don't know enough about it. Um, right. I, I can't, I, I've heard that there is interesting stuff and I don't know what it is. Um, right. I'm a little bit, I'm about the same level of knowledgeable about China. You know, these are places where for a long period of time, Christian missionaries had access um, but they didn't have like any kind of official sanction. So, mm-hmm. so they could go around and do, or they, they had local official sanction maybe, but they didn't have the central government's buy-in or whatever. So the Christian missionaries could come around and, and proselytize all over the countryside in certain places. Um, but it was very difficult for them and they had to kind of deal with the constant, like it was not a totally unequal power, power arrangement, like in the new world, you had the situation where the Christian missionaries had to be careful to avoid offending, you know, a local power, which Mm -hmm. is a, which is a different dynamic and also interesting. Um, And you also have just an enormous amount of resources written by locals about what it was like dealing with these weird foreigners. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, in particular, because you know, unlike in the new world, we we're not able to completely like wipe out the languages and the written languages and the <laughs> civilizations like, you know, oh my God, those there's histories this, got yeah. to like stick around as opposed to get wiped out or like turned into like non histories and turned into legends and myths in our yeah. consciousness. Well, there's this insane thing that happened. I, I mean, I don't know how true it is to general. Well, I'll avoid generalizing entirely then. I'll just say that I heard another thing that happened is that in some so one thing that happened is that um, local writings and stories were just destroyed. You know, there were massive bonfires in right. the area uh, that was governed by the Triple Alliance, the you know the Aztec Empire. There were massive bonfires of works of philosophy and literature that the Spaniards, oh, yeah, absolutely, you know, they just tried tried to destroy it all. Right. Another thing, and a that, lot of that was the Catholic priests trying to destroy it all because they thought that in order to convert the you know 
the local folks, they would have to like destroy all the like satanic rituals and everything that they had. Yeah. And uh, another thing that happened is that the stories were simply ignored. They weren't considered mm-hmm. a threat. And so they were just never, they, they were, there was no, um, there was no conflict. There was no burning of the books to attract attention. There was simple, like a simple effort to ignore, which yeah. I think is a story in, in, in West Africa. The kings of Mali, for instance, are totally unknown to most people today in the West because mm. it's like there's been this like very successful effort to like write them, just write them out, ignore them entirely or, you right. know. I think I think uh, the one the one last thing I'll kind of shout out there is there is a um, series that recently aired on PBS on African civilizations. I, I think it's about like four or five months old at this point, point. Um, and it's available through Amazon Prime as well as like the PBS app and stuff like that. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, there's another the same production company put together another um series called first peoples that i've also watched recently that gets into a lot of the you know like archaeological evidence for like contact between human and neanderthals and how that happened as well as like you know different waves of humans in asia as like they you know like went there settled and then like more humans came and like contacted them and there's a lot of cool like first contact stuff in in both of those um as well as just like you know the african one obviously has all this like african history that like you know I never knew that was like amazing to learn. I really enjoyed it. I, I really, I would really recommend both of those for folks who are interested in this stuff. Sweet. All right. Cool. Should we move on to kind of like the fi- finish this up a little bit? Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to, uh, did made, wanted to make sure that we didn't miss, um, is mm-hmm. just, you know, we've talked a lot about these different themes relating to religion and first contact and all this stuff that lay the, lay out the land. Um, what about, uh, your own personal relationship to these themes and kind of the oh yeah st- totally. Um, what do you what what brought you to this book and these themes and, and this kind of realm, Adrian? Yeah, well, I mentioned a little bit that like you know uh, my my parents were religious and raised me very religious and I, I was raised as sort of a. Uh, like a Bible thumping evangelical type. Um, like literally my, <laughs> my church was in a swamp and like there was speaking in tongues and that kind of thing. It's pretty, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty fucking insane looking back on it. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, and, but I also, like I said, my, my family, so both of my parents were Protestant, but both of their families were, um, European immigrant families who were Catholic. Um, so my mom was Italian Catholic and my dad was, or my dad was Irish Catholic growing up. Um, and so, you know, I, and I knew my grandparents very well and, and my kind of extended family. And so there's this sense of like, you know, kind of like this Christianity that I grew up with, but also this sense of this kind of broader Catholic Christianity that, you know, my, my parents were very conservative evangelical. Um, my Irish Catholic grandfather was also very conservative and, and still is, he's still alive. Um, but he also, you know, like there's, there is this kind of scientific pursuit that happens in Catholicism. Like, you know, most Catholics aren't like young earth types. Like they believe that evolution happened and they believe that like the big bang happened like billions of years ago. Um, and so kind of like getting a little bit of that influence of like, it's okay to like think about science and science fiction from him. Um, and from my grandma, who was a like, you know, died in the wool Democrat, even though she was a Catholic and a Christian was, you know, kind of like interesting to to get these perspectives over time. Um, and that is to say, so so because of that, 
I've often been interested in like the different ways that science fiction deals with religion as a kind of like a society thing and the messy bits of religion where it's not, you know, even Christianity, even Western Christianity, right? Like just Catholicism and Protestantism to speak nothing of like the Orthodox religions. Uh, even that is like messy and big and everyone disagrees with each other. And there are like far right wingers and far left wingers, and you know, kind of like everything in between. Um, so I've always enjoyed science fiction that like deals with that. And, you know, my, my, my personal like journey with faith over the last like 20 years since I stopped being a Christian has been, you know, varied and kind of like ranges from like agnostic to Buddhist over time. Um, and and so, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I like fiction that deals with those kind of messy elements. Um, <laughs> I was listening back to when I was editing our, um, our first, like, Things We Like podcast. And multiple times I said, like, oh, this, this thing was really sad. I really liked it. <laughs> 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 and... Um, <laughs> There's there's a piece of piece of this in here where it's like I like messy things, um, you know I like I like things that are are are, are um, that aren't cut and dry and so and then so I think that's part of why I like science fiction and religion and and religion and good science fiction that deals with the religion because like you know especially science fiction that is sympathetic to religion is often like not quite sure why. And it's a little bit like of a messy relationship between those two things. Mm. Yeah. That was long winded, but <laughs> no, but I, I mean, what, what that's about cool. yourself. Cause you have a very different like path through this stuff than I did. Um, yeah. My, uh, my family is evenly split between secular Christians and secular Jews. Um, <laughs> I, I did not get a lot of religion growing up. Um, and I think partly for that, for example, <clears throat> I don't think I met somebody who was my age who was religious until I went to college. Huh. I think the, fr- and I actually remember the first time I realized I was talking to somebody. So you was were like, the like godless liberal that my parents warned me about? I guess. I mean, <laughs> so the interesting thing that happened was that partly because of that i always thought that religion was really interesting it was like i love learning about stuff that i don't know about mm-hmm. i love reading people who are very different from me um it's the best and so i i've always because it's so different from the way i was raised i've always really enjoyed reading about religion in a way that i think some people so i have f- friends who are who were raised other than you, Adrian, <laughs> who were raised <laughs> um, religious and who are now much more conflicted about it and perhaps don't enjoy talking about it or learning about it as much as I do because I don't have any baggage. Um, right. I don't have any personal emotional baggage with it. It's just, it's just a, a fascinating part of the world to me. So I love somebody uh, once made the joke um, that uh, when I play uh, role-playing games, which I do because mm-hmm. I love them. We both. Do. Um, I either <laughs> I either play um, bureaucrats or priests, <laughs> um, and that's there's a lot to that. It's not that well, I like bureaucracy, the two or that I am religious. Similar to each other. Too, it, well, it's they? it's not that I am religious or that I like bureaucracy, but that those things are different from my experience and therefore very interesting to right. me. Right. Um, I think that, you know, we talked very briefly about this sense of, um, you know, 
beyond just like science fiction authors not knowing how to deal with science fiction and religion like there's also a sense of science fiction fans being you know kind of on the fence about this sort of stuff and uh you know i i I wonder to the what degree there is this element of you know uh uh uh, you know the the sort of like folks who are raised religious and move away from that religion and thus have like really bad experiences and and really bad kind of like a uh um like a really bad relationship with religion let's just say um which is understandable i mean like i i i view you know like religion was not a positive force in my childhood. Like I, I want to make that clear. Like I, I did not enjoy or like feel like, you know, fulfilled by any of the el- religious elements of my childhood. And in fact, like quite the opposite. Like it was, it was, you know, like I verging on like abusive at times. Um, and, you know, I think that, that there is somewhat, you know, it's kind of like the, the <laughs> not to get, too deep into this but like some of the militant atheism that happens where people like you know leave a religion and thus like hate all religion um i think some of that kind of like happens in this in science fiction where there is this like you know view that like science is like the opposite of religion and that if you're studying science you can't be religious and that you know like there's nothing religious about science itself as like a social structure um that you know i i think i you know, just personally, generally kind of disagree with as, as a, a, like philosophically. Yeah. Um, I agree with what you are saying, Adrian, I think. Um, and I also think like science fiction always has always talked about religion versus science. This is just a core thing. Mm -hmm. And, and yet, you know, I don't think it's the case that like all the old classics of science fiction we're always coming down on the side of science against religion. I think that th- good books tend to be more subtle in their approach, more more sophisticated and mature in their approach mm-hmm. to complicated topics. Right. And I think a lot of the books that we've mentioned um, are uh, are mature in that way. They're they're not like coming down. It's they don't treat it as a black and white issue. Right. And. It's even, probably even, even a false dichotomy, right? It's like not even really necessarily a... I mean, in some cases, it has been a real dichotomy because people have drawn these battle lines right. for their own purposes. Well, but and, and there are, yeah. you know, religious people who hate science and don't want to exactly. see science practiced in like any way or taught in any way. And that's, you know, that's, right. that's also really bad. That's worse in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, there's a reason I, I wanted to bring up uh, Handmaid's Tale because I think uh-huh. that particular vision, it's very like you know, in the news type of vision. Right. It's of compelling religion, right now. You know? it's, it's something that yeah. we see in our current society, I think, yeah. a lot of us. Um, but I think there are ways to do that. You know, I think actually one interesting book that I know you didn't like as much, but um, uh, written by a scientist, Carl Sagan's Contact, um, is kind of interesting, particularly because it actually does show sort of like these two different sides of religion and that there are like two different religious figures that actually like debate with each other on TV and like disagree with each other and like treat the sort of like, you know, first contact team very differently. Um, And what's kind of interesting there is that the first contact team like is like really doesn't like both of them and views them as the same early on and like comes to an Ellie, the main character really comes to see the differences in their kind of points of view over the course of the novel. 
um, in a way that's like really interesting coming from like, you know, a man who was famously like a, a proponent of science and a proponent of reason and, you know, an atheist himself. Yeah. I mean, that's really what I, what I was thinking of when I was, th- when I was thinking that, you know, the really good books are mature and don't make it a simple issue because it isn't a simple issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Handmaid's Tale makes it a simple issue either. Um, no, no. Although I think they could, uh, you know, like we said, I think she could have done, like, there are a few tweaks there that could have made it really an interesting, like, you know, like, what is, like, is religion only bad? And and sometimes I feel like some some science fiction, and not, I don't want to pick on The Handmaiden's Tale, that's just the one that we've been talking about, <laughs> you know, I think come down too, too firmly in that stance. All right, dude, this is an awesome conversation. Um, yeah, we should, but what else is there? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, what we, what I wanted to just mention a little bit, um, you know, sort of like wrap up the, wrap up the podcast is to, um, uh, and this might get into spoiler territory for some folks. So if it does like jump forward a minute or two, um, but you know, talk a little bit about like, uh, the very beginning of the book and just general terms. Um, I felt, like, I wish going into the book, I had kind of known how it worked a little bit. Um, I think the first couple of chapters, uh, there's a lot of new names. You get thrown, like, right into the middle of this thing. And it would, it's, it's um, I would say, like, the prologue and the first chapter aren't actually, like, like, don't judge the book based on those two things. Like, get a little bit further into it because the book settles down a little bit once it, and, like, you start being able to pick up on this context and staying with, like, individual characters instead of just having, like, a new character every like couple of pages who is a viewpoint character, which kind of happens towards the beginning. Um, and then it's also, I think worth noting that there's like two main intertwining narratives and like one is happening in the far future of the other one. So there's sort of like one that happens in the 20 teens and one that happens in the 2060s. Um, and there's a couple of characters who like, you know, are in both of those. Uh, but <laughs> I definitely like it reading like the third or fourth chapter. At one point I hadn't noticed that there was like a time shift and I was so confused being like, wait, who are these people? Like, why is the, why is some of them have the same names? And like, where, when am I reading about right now? Um, that I think, I think going into that, that like, you know, there's, there's, um, this isn't like a straightforward, like linear, like, you know, beginning, middle end type of novel. There's a lot of jumping around in time that the plot does. Sweet. Um, who do you think will like this novel? Great question. Um, if you have enjoyed some of our discussion about uh, the themes and the other other novels that form the broad context of it, mm-hmm. then you'll probably be interested in it at least because it's a book that is in dialogue with a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. More specifically, um, it's a book that is... Uh, very interested in its characters and their beliefs and their philosophies and their moral struggles. Mm-hmm. And it's a very character focused book, you know, so it's, 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 um, it's definitely interested in science uh, and really interesting ideas as well. But um, unlike some uh, maybe old school classic sci-fi books about meeting aliens um it's a little bit more interested in the internal lives of uh the characters mm-hmm. and um the drama that results from that um yeah. it, ha- it has a very literary focus on the characters and their kind of internal lives and, and character motivations in that way yeah but it's also like a lot of books that are 
that 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 like a lot of the books that we've mentioned you know it's interested in like bigger philosophical issues about morality and mm -hmm. about the nature of faith and mm -hmm. and what it means um uh what it means to be a human even mm -hmm. um in some sense so uh that kind of, those kind of big philosophical ideas are, are very much present here right right i think i think the i completely agree and i think that um you know, I hope I hope folks like this book. I'm I'm you know, I'm curious to like really talk it through with you when when we get to the post read because I think it's going to be a really fun post read episode. This one, totes. Um, I think you know the last thing I wanted to mention is um, you know I I was looking around and like the because I've heard about this book for like a very long time. Um, especially you know whenever I mention religion and science fiction, it gets brought up to me. Um. And so apparently there was a movie planned at some point uh, with Brad Pitt, with, sorry, with Brad Pitt set to produce and star in it as Emilio, the main character, who it that should is, be noted is like a, you know, Hispanic person, Puerto Rican, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like half indigenous, half, half uh, Spanish in, in um, ancestry. And I'm so glad that didn't happen. That is, it's just, <laughs> it's so ludicrous that that was ever a thing people wanted to do. Right. Like, I know. what? <laughs> Um, and when and when you if you if you read more of the if you read the book you know dear it'll audience become members, yeah even you'll even see how ridiculous aside, that is like, like Brad Pitt is not meant to play this main character oh my god like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and then uh, I've also I've seen some stuff about like so AMC currently holds the 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 TV rights and they have since like the early twenty teens. Uh, and so, like, the, apparently a TV show has been, like, in production in different ways for, like, a really long time. The most recent thing I saw was uh, Mary Doria Russell saying that she wasn't involved in it in any way and doesn't know, like, where it's going. Um, but the one thing that I did see, like, has had So, like, a movie didn't happen, a TV show didn't happen. But what did happen, and hopefully I'll be able to find some of it and be able to, like, play it here, is a uh, prog rock uh, band called Metaphor released a conceptual album called The Sparrow that is based on the novel and done with her blessing. I'm um, so into that. I'm just so into that. <laughs> Which is so so wild. So um it's so funny. <laughs> but it's it's so prog rock too, right? Oh totally, like, totally. Like... <laughs> <laughs> right. Well I kind of love it too, because like you know, how many how many heavy metal and prog rock albums are there based on like, you know, HP Lovecraft or a song of ice and fire, you know, the sword has a bunch of uh, songs about that. Um, so, so to, to have something, you know, based on this kind of like literary science fiction about Jesuits, like, yeah, definitely a prog rock album there. <laughs> I want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely, we'll, 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 I like I said, I'll pause here and hopefully like play some of it.
Um, cool. So yeah, so I think I think that's it for me today. Like it's a cool book. I hope folks read it. I hope you know folks enjoy it. Um, yeah, and we'll be talking about it. You know, we'll release our post read episode at the end of the month. Um, we should have one or two minisodes maybe between then. Um, you know, Matt and I are going to have to work out our schedule because I know there's some scheduling conflicts we're going to have. Hopefully, we'll have some other stuff going on this month too. Um, I, I recently saw. N.K. Jemison like giving a really cool talk about like geology that I I, <laughs> I want to talk to you about. So she is so cool. She's the best. She's so great. Um, cool. So yeah. Um, you know, I think thank you as always to WJ on SoundCloud for our music, to Noah Bradley at noahbradley.com for our art, uh, to all of our listeners who are listening. You know, make sure to email us at spectologypod or tweet us at spectologypod oh, sorry spectologypod at gmail.com or tweet us at at spectologypod on twitter uh, we have a facebook facebook.com slash spectology um, you know submit this to reddit uh, share it with your friends um, we've actually gotten uh, a review on iTunes, which is really great because reviewing podcasts on iTunes is a major pain in the ass. Like iTunes makes it really hard. So, you know, thank you for whoever reviewed it on there. And, you know, if anyone else wants to, it's, uh, you know, that's that's how, how we get new listeners and how we get more people talking about these books with us is by, you know, you sharing it because you like it. Or, you know, don't share it if you don't. <laughs> I don't know why you're still listening if you hated it. <laughs> I'd love to meet that person. <laughs> I don't know if I would. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, let's just scratch that. <laughs> um, but, you know, thanks to everyone for, for listening and talking to us. You know, we do this because we enjoy talking about science fiction and, you know, want to talk about it with other people. Um, so with that, we will, we will see you in a couple weeks here for the post read. See you guys. Thanks. Bye.